How many of you are thankful for the Holy Spirit that always comes and fills us up when we're in desperate need? Can I have an amen? Praise God. What a blessing it is to be in the house of God with each and every one of you this morning. Get that thing off there. God is good. Yes, he certainly is. So very thankful for that amazing song, Greg. I love it. God, you fill us up. Each and every time we call on you and ask you to come, it's amazing how <clears throat> sometimes you wonder if he's going to show up. Am I the only one that thinks that? Was that, um, that black gospel song said he may not be there when you want him? But he's an on-time God. Yeah, that's a couple of songs we're putting together. <laughs> Everybody say, he's an on-time God. I'm so thankful that when we do cry out, if we're, if we're sinking and the winds are blowing and the, the waves are lapping at the boat and it looks like the boat's going to fall apart, we cry out to him. He'll come walking on the water if he has to. I tell you, I'm just... I just feel like I just got to stop this morning and because his presence is just so amazing in this room. Would you just lift your hands with me right now? Let's just give him praise. Lord, we just thank you. All across this room this morning, we lift our hearts to you, O oh God, and we worship you. We thank you for your presence in this place, O oh God, that, Lord, that the word that is about to come forth, we commit our hearts to you, and we ask you in Jesus' name to give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, thank you, O oh God, that you've called us to participate, to be on your team, that blows our minds that the God of the universe, that God is so big that we can't even begin to imagine your majesty, Lord, and how great you are, yet you care about the very specifics, the, the intricate details about each and every individual human life on this planet. Your word says that our hairs on our head are numbered that you know when a sparrow falls to the ground, that you clothe the grass with the fields. You, you, you clothe the fields with the grass and, and the lilies of the field in greater splendor even than the courts of Solomon's temple. God, we thank you for every sunrise, every sunset, for every breeze that blows. Lord, for this wonderful fall weather that we're experiencing. God, forgive us for taking for granted all of these amazing things that are miracles in our lives every day. Lord, that we would love you with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength, oh God. Come and fill us today. We need you, oh God. We need a word from you. Lord, I don't just want to inform, and I really don't just want to inspire. God, I pray that today you would give every one of us a divine encounter with your presence for the rest of this service today in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, amen. Put your hands together. That's great. We've been doing a message around here called Audacious. The first one was about courage. The next one was on faith. Last Sunday, we talked about audacious love out of the great commandment, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And this morning, I want to jump right in to audacious generosity. Audacious Generosity. Now, don't get uncomfortable. This is not just about money, but it is about money. But it's really about living a life that is large. It's, it's about having a, a sense of bigness 
in our hearts because we serve a God who is so big that we can't even begin to put in words a description that adequately tells somebody else about how great, how great, how awesome, how majestic. Come on this morning, I don't have enough adjectives to even begin to describe and tell you, but I want to tell you that God is a generous God. He's a God who, out of his love for us, has given absolutely so much, and he's called us to be a people made in his image and exhibiting that very same spirit of generosity. Everybody say generosity. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. After I chose this and sent it to Simona by email and then to Alex to put on the screen, I really sort of second-guessed it because I thought, you know, I don't want people to think that this is just a selfishly motivated means or um, determination of being generous just so I can get something back because that's really kind of what this sounds like and I'm not coming from that angle this morning at all. Although I will tell you that the Bible tells us that the liberal, and we're not talking politics now, but we're talking about someone who is liberal and giving and uh, operates out of what the French call a largesse. It is a kind of largeness of heart. It is a generosity of spirit. The Bible says a generous man will prosper. The Scripture says uh, there is that which withholds, and you think you're saving, but yet it comes to poverty. And it, uh, another translation says it's the stingy man that comes to poverty. And so we know that when we deliberately are generous out of the determination to walk in the image that God made us to be, because our God himself is a generous God, then we are doing it out of a motivation that is not selfish. It's not just to get something back in return, but I do want to tell you that you do get something back in return. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. It's, it's called seed time and harvest. You plant and you will receive. The Bible says, be not deceived, God is not mock. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And so there is that law that is working in the universe. Uh, those who say it in a godless kind of way say it this way, what goes around. So you really want to make sure that you're careful what you're sending around. Because what you're sowing, you're going to what? going to continue to reap it. And so this morning, I believe that God's called us to be a people who are sowing generously. That is in so many areas. It is not just in our finance, but we're going to show you this morning why finance is a real barometer. It's an indicator of the condition of your heart. Uh, audacious literally means to be characterized by the willingness to take bold risks. Everybody say bold risks. The Greek word for generosity in the Bible, it's used all over the scripture, it's, it, and this, this one is not one that you will see an English connection, and normally I don't even take time to do it if there's not one there. Like in 1 Corinthians 3, the wise master builder, the Greek word is architecton, and you can quickly see the, Greek, the English word architect. This one doesn't have an English equivalent, but it's just so rich, I wanted to take just the next 30 seconds and just share it with you. It is the Greek word haplotes. Everybody say it with me. Come on, like a real Greek would go, haplotes. Say it, come on. Haplotes. Do it one more time. Haplotes. All right. Haplotes means singleness as opposed to being dual and stretched in a bunch of different directions and not really knowing which way you're going to go. Kind of like the phrase, he doesn't know which one of the boys he ought to be. Or, you know, kind of sort of going back and forth in terms of differing in one opinion to another. But it's a real determination of singleness. It also means simplicity. Or sincerity. And actually, in the Greek, all three of those words 
are, are like sisters. They're all very much related. Singleness of purpose, simplicity in thought. It's without confusion or, or it's, it's not crowded with a whole bunch of extra junk that is pulling you away from a single-minded, simple, sincere purpose. It, it, it means mental honesty. How many of you know it's good if we're honest with ourselves? And if you're not, it's really good if you've got somebody else that will be honest with you about yourself. <laughs> Everybody needs somebody like that. I'm thankful to have several like that that help me. They can be a mirror and go, haplotes, bro. <laughs> it, it literally means the virtue of one who is free from pretense and hypocrisy, not self-seeking, openness of heart, manifesting itself by generosity. So all of this singleness and simplicity and sincerity and all of this without pretense and without hypocrisy, all of that stuff, it's not self-seeking, but it's just this real genuine sincerity that manifests itself as somebody that is looking to be generous to somebody else. How many of you know that's a description of what God looks at you as the new creation in Christ? He is generous He's a generous God inside of you, and he wants you to let that out, to manifest that to the rest of the world, to be a generous Christian. Now, we're not just talking about money. We want to talk about it a little bit, but that's only one portion of this message this morning. We're talking about this largesse, this generosity of spirit. And I have two quick points this morning I want to give. The first one is very simple. Everybody say, give audaciously. Say it one more time. Let's do it together. Here we go. Give audaciously. Why do we give audaciously? Because God has given us himself a demonstration of his spirit in John three sixteen. You know it. What does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave. Everybody say gave. So the first law of love is giving. If you love somebody, it was the 1990s. It was the, about the end of the big hair bands. The, air, the good music ended then. I'm teasing. But I remember, I remember that choir at the concert when they came out and they said, I want to know what love is. Help me. How many of you know that's what the whole world is crying out for? I want you to show me. And if it were ever paramount that Christians at any time in the history of civilization desperately need to be a demonstration of the message that they proclaim, it is right now. I want to tell you, I am tired of being a part of what everybody else sees in the world as a group of people that are just against a whole lot of stuff. I, I want to let the world see that there's a whole lot of stuff that I'm for. And I want the world to see that even though everybody might not live according to the standard that I believe God has put on me, I'm going to be large of heart. And I'm going to determine that people that are difficult to love see a demonstration of what love is in spite of it. God is a giver. Say that with me this morning. God is a giver. Because God is a giver, he has called us to walk in that same agency 
of giving, that we would be a channel, that all of the blessing of God that is upon us, it is not just for us to heap upon ourselves. Begin with salvation. It's, it's not just that I know now that I am secure and that I'm a believer and I've trusted in him and by the blood of Jesus Christ and by faith and I know that he was raised from the dead and I've believed it in my heart and I've confessed it with my mouth. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, shall be saved. It's not enough that I have received that. Now I am called of God to be in the process of giving that word to everybody else around me. Was it St. Francis of Assisi who said it this way, everywhere you go, preach the gospel, and when it's necessary, use words. What does that mean? It's critical that I preach the gospel by my actions, that by my life, by how I live, by the way people see me interact with other people. Mark Batterson is a, one of my favorite young authors. He pastors National Community Church in Washington, D.C., and just has an amazing move of God going on and read all, everything that he's written to this point is just tremendous young guy. And he said this. He says, it's a whole lot easier to act like a Christian than it is to react like one. How many of you know I can put on my best face? And, I, I, and, and not, not in the sense of being a fake. I don't mean that at all. I mean just, just stepping out in faith, just trying to overcome circumstances and to give a positive confession and to put a smile on my face and to dig down inside and draw a bucket of water out of the well of salvation. It's called the joy of the Lord. Sometimes I have to make a determination that I'm going to walk in joy whether I feel like it or not. And even in the middle of all that, sometimes... I want you to know it's easier to, to walk out and determine that I'm going to do that. But then when somebody crosses me, when somebody cuts me off on the interstate, and in the whole process, I didn't even do anything wrong, and they're just waving the Hawaiian bird of happiness to me in the process, just wishing me a good day with one of their fingers. Just bless the Lord. And, 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 and I don't know what you think about this, but once in a while, it takes everything I've got just to go, okay, I'm a pastor. I cannot return that. <laughs> I have to remember, I just, I want you to know, we were in the Jeep the other day. My wife was with me, and a situation happened, and she said, Michael, you're a pastor in this town. <laughs> And I have a very, very, very identifiable vehicle. It's not like there's a whole bunch of those running around. I just, you know, I, I, is it okay if I'm a little bit honest with you this morning? I, I have to. I, I, I am depraved apart from the work of Christ in my life. I desperately need Jesus every day. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit fresh every day of my life. Because he's still working on me. And I am confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in me will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And because of that, because he gave, he did not hold back. God didn't try to take a discount rate on me. He gave all. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things. King James says freely. Everybody say freely give all things. I want you to hear something this morning about a passage very quickly, and I'm not going to do a lot of commenting. I just want to get the feel of it. And I think we have it up on the screen. It's 2 Corinthians 9, and I'm going to read the whole chapter very quickly. 
I want you to hear me say it. I want you to read along. Just follow. Don't read out loud, but just follow along so you can get it from through two gates, hearing me say it, and then reading yourself. The Apostle Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about an offering that they're supposed to be giving for some believers that are in a very, very extreme need. They're in, they're, they're in dire, abject poverty. And God has blessed the Corinthian church. It is a, a place of trade. It is a place, it's a cosmopolitan center where there's a lot of commerce. There's a lot of production going on. It's ideas and philosophies are flowing through there. It's, it's, it's really kind of a, a sort of an Athens to the east further on. And, and Corinth, Corinth is this place where God's blessed these people in the church. They've got a little bit of prosperity happening. And that really is relative at this particular time in history. But just listen. If I wrote any more on this relief offering to the poor Christians, I'd be repeating myself. I know you're on board and ready to go. He says, I've been bragging about you all through Macedonia province, telling them Achaia province has been ready to go on this since last year. Your enthusiasm by now has spread to most of them. Now I'm sending the brothers to turn out to be just to be so much, I'm sorry, I've skipped a verse, uh, a line. Now I'm sending the brothers to make sure you're ready, as I said you would be, so my bragging won't turn out to be just so much hot air. If some Macedonians and I happened to drop in on you and found you weren't prepared, we'd all be pretty red-faced, you and us, for acting so sure of ourselves. So to make sure there will be no slip-up, I've recruited these brothers as an advanced team to get you and your promised offering all ready before I get there. I want you to have all the time you need to make this offering in your own way. I don't want anything forced. Everybody say forced. Forced or hurried. Everybody say hurried. I don't want anything forced or hurried at the last minute. Remember, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church. He says, remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. Everybody say, no compulsion. Say that with me. No compulsion. So you all make up your own mind. Nobody's going to visit you and you know, set an assignment and go, you all, you're not giving enough. You need to give more. This is all between you and the Lord. So he goes on to say, he says, that will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. That sounds like some TV preacher techniques, doesn't it? God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. Read that line out loud with me. God loves it when the, deliver, when the giver delights in the giving. The Greek word is hilaros. We get our English word hilarious. God loves a what? A cheerful giver. Verse 8. God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right-living, right-giving ways never run out, never wear out. This most generous God who gives seed to the, to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God. Five more verses and we're finished. Wealthy in every way. Everybody say that. Wealthy in every way so that you can be generous. There it is. Haplotes. Everybody say generous. So that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. Carrying out this social relief work involves far more than helping meet the bare needs of poor Christians. It also produces abundant and bountiful thanksgivings to God. This relief offering is a prod 
to live at your very best, showing your gratitude to God by being openly obedient. Say those two words with me. Openly obedient to the plain meaning of the message of Christ. He says, you show your gratitude through your generous offerings to your needy brothers and sisters and really toward everyone. Meanwhile, moved by the extravagance of God in your lives, they'll respond by praying for you in passionate intercession for whatever you need. Thank God for this gift, his gift. No language can praise it enough. Somebody say amen. All right, I am about to burn up with my sweat in my eye here, so just give me, everybody hit the pause button for 10 seconds. what that feels like to get uh, an eye full of sweat and you're just burning and, and I'm going, I can't even see what I'm trying to read here. That was, that was happening in that moment. All right, three things real quickly. Number one, I'm going to tell you this. God, first of all, wants you to give your time. Everybody say time. This is the one area where all of us truly are equal. This is the only area where we are equal. Everybody has a week that has 168 hours in it. I don't know anybody in the room who has more than 24 hours in your day. Everybody's got the same. It all depends on how we choose to prioritize what we're going to do with the amount of time that God, that God gives us. And every one of us has the exact same amount. Everybody say, choose wisely. You know, many, many times there are a lot of things that are pulling on me. And one of the hardest things it is for me to do, let me just say this, is just to be able to say no. Because I want people to be happy. And I've got people calling, making requests all the time, inviting me to participate in things and to play music with them and to speak places and all these different situations going on in different, different uh, conferences and, hey, come and be a part of this and sit on this board. And, and, and many times it's just there aren't enough hours in the week. And I, I think sometimes if I could have 40 hours in my day and I could sleep 12 and I could work 28, man, I could really get something done. But that's not the choice that God has given us. Every one of us has 24 hours. We have time. That is where we're equal. Secondly, our talents, our gifts, our skills. Here we're all completely different. Everybody say diverse. You know what? Some of us are musically gifted. Some of us are communicators. Some of us are administrators and organizational. Some of us are extravagant hospitality people and we can show mercy to those in times of need and, and we're able to put things together. Some of us are crafty and creative and, and, and can paint things and, and put things together. Some of you are engineers and you're mechanical and, and you can fix things. I'm going to tell you, when I see these words, I think it's a curse from God. Some assembly required. <laughs> I, I just don't do well. And you know what I usually do? I go, hey, I'll sing you a song if you'll put that together for me. <laughs> or I'll do something for you because that's just not, that's not my gift, man. I can try. I, I, I will read those instructions 15 times. And there's always a handful of something that's left over, and I'm going, okay, where does that go? Well, it's okay. It works anyway. Don't worry about it. So we all have different gifts. Now, our treasure, this is where it really comes to the bottom line. This is where it starts to affect us, our treasure. It's our personal economic means. And this is another area where we are, we are not the same. We've made choices. Some of us made choices to go to school and to get some extra training and have headed into a field uh, that, that might pay more than another one has. And, and, and some of us have chosen just to jump into the workforce and to work our way up the ladder. And, 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 and many times it's amazing how somebody who does that for a few years can actually be extremely blessed without a college degree. This is not about everybody having to go to college. It's about finding where your gift is and where your passion is and where your heart is and jumping in and loving it with all of your heart. And then when you do that, it's amazing how the provision follows. 
And the biggest challenge that we all have is learning to live within our means that we all have been given and to be faithful stewards over those things. Dr. Billy Graham said, from the scripture, where your treasure is, there will your what? Your heart will be also. Somebody said one time, you know, it ought to be where your heart is, there will your treasure be. You know, that's not the way it works. Because many times you can think your heart is in something, but circumstances may really reveal that it's not. Dr. Billy Graham said it this way, show me your checkbook and your calendar and I can see whether your life is devoted to Christ. Somebody said recently, you know, Pastor, I just really don't feel connected. And, the, you know, the first thing I said was, okay, what are you giving and where are you serving? Because if you're serving, if you're giving your time, if you're giving your talent, if you're giving your treasure, if you're giving out of your heart and your heart is in it, it's amazing how quickly you get connected. And let me just say this. God has devised this thing called servanthood. When I'm willing to get down underneath the need of somebody else, I forget about the problems I have. And when my heart breaks for the things that break the heart of God, he will make sure the things I need get to me. If I will be a channel of blessing that he can flow through me to bless others, he'll make sure that I've always got a pot that's full. Come on, somebody. I love that. John D. Rockefeller Sr., an American industrialist and philanthropist. Everybody's heard the Rockefeller name. You don't usually associate it with Christianity. But the dude, the big dad, the daddy, was a Christian man, a Presbyterian, and he gave this quote. He said, I never would have been able to tithe the first million dollars I ever made if I had never tithed my first salary, which was $1.50 per week. If you can't tithe 15 cents on a buck 50, don't think you're going to hit the lottery and you're going to give God a million. What are you doing right now with what you've got right now? We have to give because Jesus said it's better to give than to receive because it is the mechanism of giving that keeps everything flowing. The Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea because it continuously receives but never gives out. Therefore, nothing living can exist there. I was there a couple of years ago. Went down there, got into it. There's so much salt and minerals in the Dead Sea that literally you are buoyed up. You just float on the top of the water. There's no sinking. It's amazing because of the rich deposits of all the stuff that is continually pumped into it. But there there is continuous ingress, but there is no egress. There is something going in, but nothing going out. God has put the resources into your life because he wants them to be a channel. And if we can learn to faithfully obey his word and give not just because there's a need, but give because God says, when you do that, I will give back to you, press down, shake together, running over. God will bring the blessings of the Lord. Men will, and they'll dump it into your lap is what the scripture says. Hear this. Dr. Elton Trueblood is a great preacher he died. He lived from 1900 to 1994. He was an educator, an author, philosopher, theologian. He said this. Listen to these words. A man has made at least a start on discovering the meaning of human life when he plants shade trees under which he knows full well he will never sit. I want to give it to you again. A man has made at least a start on discovering the meaning of human life when he plants shade trees under which he knows full well he will never sit. We give to leave a legacy behind us. I am walking in the blessing of God today because of grandparents on both sides of my family who loved Jesus and who were givers their whole lives. 
and who are now a part of the church triumphant. Hebrews chapter 12 says that they are a part of the cloud of witnesses that, that encompass us about. The Greek word is amphitheatered about. And they're watching from the other side and they're interceding and they're cheering in the, the grandstands of heaven. And they're going, come on, Michael, don't quit. Don't give up. Endure. Hoopamone. Don't quit. Keep giving audaciously because God is going to break that spirit in the delta. We have to be willing to give to leave a legacy behind us. It doesn't just mean giving my money. It doesn't just mean giving my time or my talent or my treasure. But it sometimes means giving up things that I would really prefer to have. I'm going to be honest with you. We're doing stuff in this church right now that's just not my personal style of preference. I, I, I'm really kind of a 1980s, kind of a 1990s guy. And I, I would love to get me some Hosanna, man. And, and this is the day that the Lord has made. Man, I can just rock out to that. But you know what? I've been willing to give up. Everybody say, give up. I've been willing to give up some of my personal preferences because I want to see God reach the next generation. Are you hearing me this morning? I have to give audaciously. I have to give with a bold risk. So I just want to say to you this morning, you know, maybe you're going, man, it's, they're rocking in here. It's a little bit more than I'm used to. Let me, but look at the room. Look at the people God is bringing. Look at the lives that are being touched. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, people are getting saved and putting their trust in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior because a few folks in victory have been willing to give up. This is the day the Lord has made. Are you hearing me this morning? Everybody say, give audaciously. Second point, live audaciously. Now this one I'm going to go a little quicker on. Live audaciously. I love this. Everybody knows what John 3.16 says, and that's basically what God did for us. 1 John 3.16 shows what we're supposed to do back for God. John 3.16 is what God did. 1 John 3.16, those little bitty letters over there, the epistles before the book of Revelation. 1 John 3.16, read this with me. This is how we know what love is. <laughs> Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And what? We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. It's been given to us. Now I must live it back for somebody else. In this nation, we don't have to worry about the possibility of being martyred for Christ because of standing up in this place today with the threat of a secret service agent that's against in a government that, that restricts me from being able to tell you Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. People on the other side of the world in China are huddling in little groups of 50 people in an underground church quietly gathering, coming in in 15, 20, 30-minute increments, and so it doesn't look so conspicuous, and they're huddling, passing around the first chapter of the book of Colossians, and they're silently reading that, and they're very, very quietly in a whisper singing praise to God with tears rolling down their cheeks. In 1949, when the People's uh, Revolution took place in China, there were no known Christians, and right now in one billion people in that nation, there's over 100 million that are confessing Christians in Jesus Christ. Christ. The threat 
of losing their lives is very real every day. We don't have that threat. It's not a question of are you willing to lay down your life in death. The question for you in America is are you willing to live for Jesus on a daily basis? Can you live audaciously? Come on, somebody. How, how can I live audaciously? Number one, very quickly, in friendship. People need friends. We are so isolated. We are connected in false communities on Facebook and MySpace, and we're tweeting and twitting and all this kind of stuff. We think that we're connected, but it's a false sense of community. I have to have somebody that will sit down with me and look to me eyeball to eyeball and help me and love me. We are the most wired, the most connected society, the most connected generation, but yet in so many ways we are the most isolated that we have ever been before in our history because we can find ourselves hours at a time in front of a computer looking to try to get a connection. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God's wired us for the Holy Spirit, and he's wired us for human connection, one with another. I've got to be a friend. The Bible says no greater love has a man than this that he would lay down his life for his friends. Do not be afraid to hang around folks who don't act like they ought to. Jesus needs some light in dark places. Listen, you need to come out and be separate, but that doesn't mean that you never associate with. Don't be afraid. It's not going to jump on you. Are you hearing me? Light is always more powerful than darkness. Good will always overcome evil. If you keep your heart right and go in there and you just love... Come on, just love somebody. Forgiveness. Man, how we need to live audaciously with a large, generous spirit to forgive. I am so thankful. I I, I tweeted the comment, and it's connected to my Facebook, and it ended up on the Facebook this week, and I said, I am so thankful for forgiveness and a fresh start when I blow it. And about 20 or 25 people hit like on that because you know right where I am. You know what, you know what we're dealing with. You know what we're going through. And let me tell you something. I, I'm, I'm a man in process. I'm not there yet. I, 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 I get angry. I, I'm impatient. Uh, uh, there's a perfectionism in me. I want things to be done the right way. And let me just stand up and tell you right now. I had to call everybody on our sound team this week and ask them to forgive me because I got so aggravated. I walked out of our practice Tuesday night. I was just ticked off. Nothing was right. And I, I had a brother who comes to me. I love him dearly. And he said, Michael, just, you know, there's something we give up as leaders. That's the freedom to blow up. And at the same time, I'm thankful for some, for some guys that don't hold me to a standard of perfection and are willing are willing. To, to extend some forgiveness when I look at them and I say, I'm sorry, I don't have any reason. I, what I'm about to tell you in no way justifies, and I didn't, let me just say this, I didn't say anything I had to apologize for. I just, it's like Paul said, I was red-faced. <laughs> See ya, I'm out of here. I mean, I, there was some restraint, you know. If you, I, if you just don't even know what I'm filtering sometimes. <laughs> Is this too plain? How many of you know it's, it's important to be real? So I sat down with these guys and I said, I want to ask you to forgive me. Will you please forgive me for, for my impatience? I, and I ask you to forgive me. And, and let me tell you, 
we have to choose to forgive. And when we blow it, we have to take the step and go and say, I'm sorry, will you please forgive me? And by the grace of God, next time I will respond differently. And, and, and again, I just want to tell you this, the, those of you that are ready to take out your rocks and your bag this morning and stone the preacher, uh, and I don't think there's anybody here, I'm just kidding. Uh, everybody knows you're going to have a moment like that this week at work. You're going to have a moment at your stove at breakfast with your family, with the ones you love. I still have it. I, I, thankfully, those moments are getting farther and farther apart, and so much pressure comes and deadlines and all this kind of stuff, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit over and I'm trying to finish this morning, but I just want to say this to you. It's important that we not only give generously in forgiveness, but that we, we, we take the step first and initiate it and go and say, I'm sorry, I blew it. Will you forgive me? Will you give me a fresh start? I'm, I'm thankful for that. The Bible says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, compassionate, one for another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, in Christ, God forgave you. You got some prayers that aren't being answered. You got to feel like there's a block on it. When you stand praying, Mark eleven twenty five. 25, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. We need to release. We need to give. We need to forgive audaciously and generously. Can I have an amen? John Wesley said this, and I'm finished this morning. Do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. I just want to say to you this morning, God has called us to give audaciously and to live audaciously, and there's absolutely no way that we can ever do that apart from Jesus Christ. He's poured out an indescribable gift for us, precious blood, blood that is so valuable there is no... It, it, it was the price of the sins of the world. God the Father literally caused Jesus to be smitten, the Bible says, wounded. The punishment for our peace was upon him. Whatever you're facing this morning, I just want to say to you that there's nothing that is so big that is too difficult for him. Maybe, maybe you have a growing edge of impatience and a little bit of perfectionism like I do. You know, there's... Many times our strengths are also our weaknesses. You, you, you want things done with excellence, and then you push it to a point, and then you're impatient with others. And that's where I had to say this week, God, help me. Help me grow. Change me. Do something fresh in my heart. I just want to say to you this morning, if you're sitting here under the sound of my voice and you have never, ever asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, into your life, and to change you, and to save you, to give you a new nature, to give you a new identity, to put the past in the past, and to open up a whole bright future and a destiny in front of you. All you have to do right now in this moment is just open your heart and just say these words in just a moment with me when we pray and just say, Jesus, save me. That's all you have to do right there. I believe that the Spirit of God is in this place this morning. It's been rich. It's been powerful. Uh, he's ministered to me. He's touched me. This week has been a growing week for me. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for a congregation that loves each other, that we're willing to give generously and live generously. 
And in just a second, I'm going to ask you, not, not yet, but in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your head for, a, for just a moment. And, 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 and I want you to answer this question right now. With all that God has given for you, are you ready to receive that and to give the kind of life back to Him that He's called you to give? You can't do that without Him and His Holy Spirit filling you, without His presence. None of us are able to stand before Him and to hold up the ability of keeping the righteous standard of the law of God. Every one of us. I blew it this week and I had to say, God, forgive me. I had to say to my brother, forgive me. Will you please be merciful. And you know something? As we're willing to do that this morning, it begins by, first of all, getting our hearts right with the Lord. Maybe you're in a situation where the marriage is just on the rocks. And let me tell you, God will give you the ability to get things right with the others if you'll first get your heart right with Him. No matter what you're facing, if you'll get your heart right with Him, that'll be the center, the source, the resource of Him coming and living on the inside of you to make all that wrong stuff right, to give you a future and a hope, and to give you a home in heaven for eternity, but also to straighten out all the mess that you're dealing with right now. So I would just ask you, if you would, bow your head with me, please.